On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, the time has come. Draft night is quickly approaching, so I'm putting an order in for an immediate halt on the team-to-team breakdowns because this is more important. We're breaking down the ESPN ADP ranking cheat sheets, and there's lots and lots to get to. Guys that are way too high and some that are way too low, I'll tell you all about it as we get through the first two rounds, a.k.a. the top 24. You won't want to miss it, and it all starts now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Thursday, August 19th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. And on this episode, we are taking a full pause on the team-to-team breakdowns because it is getting oh so close to that big day, the day we've been talking about all summer long since June, our fantasy drafts. And I want to make sure that everyone is properly prepared as your draft approaches this weekend or soon to come. So in this episode, I'd like to run through the ADP rankings from the bigger companies that we print our cheat sheets out to use for our fantasy drafts. I'm talking about the ESPNs, the CBSs, the Yahoo's of the world. These guys that are giving you this information to follow, like scripture. But we don't do that here. We're not going to follow them like scripture. We're going to break it down and we're going to decide who's too high and who's too low. And with the preseason now in full effect, one week of preseason under our belts, this is where the ADP rankings will go completely bonkers. You're going to see guys go screaming up the boards. Guys are going to sink down the boards for absolutely no reason. Because we haven't seen them play yet. We haven't seen an Amari Cooper play yet. We haven't seen a Devontae Smith play yet. But these guys will sink because the general public hasn't seen them on the field. You're going to see guys like Ramondre Stevens and Tony Jones go screaming up draft boards. And for what? Who did they play against? Backups that aren't even going to make the team? Good. Let them. It's important to stick to your plan. Trust your research. Everything we've been talking about on this podcast since June, we put a lot of research, a lot of time invested into what our plan is going to be. Don't stray away from that too much. Take advantage of these overreactions. Now, obviously, this can work against you. If you've had a sleeper and all of a sudden he starts crushing it in preseason and everybody catches on, that's not good either. But again, guys like Devontae Smith who are tumbling, tumbling down ADP charts, go get them. Because if you can get a guy with that much talent deeper and deeper into the rounds, your team now has become that much better. So take advantage. Be vigilant. Pay attention. It's all very exciting, but don't go overboard on these guys like Ramondre Stevenson or Tony Jones. So enjoy the preseason. The preseason is great. We haven't seen football since February, and everybody's excited. But just be careful. Don't go off script too much. Speaking of preseason, we have a great game tonight. I'm very excited about as an Eagles fan. We get to see the New England Patriots at the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And since it's now week two of the preseason, we should see longer sustained drives from the starters that will go deeper into the game. We might get a better feel or a better idea for what we've been seeing. These players that people are hyped up on right now, we might get to see them go against maybe the starting defense now, not the fourth string defense. But some exciting things to pay attention to tonight in tonight's game. I mentioned this on Twitter for those of you that follow me. It's the Cam Newton versus the Mac Jones battle. Who's going to win that job? Now, it seems like Cam Newton should because he is the veteran. He has the experience. But I think he's holding this team back. He's a shot fighter. And I know I just said to not go overboard with these preseason games. But you can see it. You can see it in the short time that he played. That shoulder has not healed. You can see it. He still rifles it with a downward projection. And he's not throwing it downfield. The safety on the Eagles during the practice this week, Kevon Wallace, has been taunting him the entire practice, saying that all he does is check the ball down and he'll never throw it downfield. And he's right. And he's right. This is coming from a second-year player. And Cam never threw it his way for the rest of practice. Cam will seriously hold this team back. And if they want to be competitive in this division, you have to go with the rookie. He looked good. He looked good. First of all, he looks like he's 30 years old as a rookie. His face, when you see him in the uniform, he looks like he's 30. And in reality, he's what, 21? But when you compare the two, Mac Jones and Cam Newton, it's obvious. It's obvious. Mac Jones, when he releases that ball, it is clean, really clean release, accurate, more pop to the ball, more zip to the ball. The ball floats higher. And it's more catchable for these receivers. Yeah, being a rookie comes with the mistakes. But at least these receivers will have a shot with Mac Jones. There's a clear difference in the arm talent at this current moment. It's been a couple years now since Cam had that injury. It's shot. It's just a shot arm. And at this point, it's not going to get better. It's just something to keep an eye on because the quarterback obviously affects the rest of the team. We're not drafting Cam Newton, and if you're taking Mac Jones, he's a stash to see if he develops into a quarterback one. But like I said, it looks like this team is going to start Cam Newton. And another example of somebody's stock sinking, who a lot of people were just very high on not too long ago. Two or three weeks ago, people were talking about the running back Damian Harris as an RB1 this year. Now, his ADP never climbed to that, but people were looking at him as a potential steal in the 6th, 7th, or 8th round to possibly be an RB1 for New England. Who, by the way, hasn't had an RB1 in years because we know, everybody that plays fantasy knows, that the New England system is a running back by committee, a true running back by committee, since the days of LeGarrette Blunt. But Damian Harris has that ability to be that RB1 like LeGarrette Blunt was for the Patriots five or six years ago. But because Damian Harris only got four carries for 17 yards, uh-oh, the end of the world, stock sinking. It's crazy. It is crazy. We're not playing our starters full time for the first week of the preseason. You know that, right? Ramondre Stevenson, I already touched on this, but because he got 10 carries for 127 yards and two touchdowns against the fourth string defense in the fourth quarter, now everybody's going crazy over this guy. He might be talented, but just pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I'm still in the Damian Harris boat, and so should you. Don't let week one of preseason deter you that much. And although I don't really talk about defenses or kickers on this pod, I gotta say that New England defense was looking pretty good. They gave up the yardage, 
with the starters. They did. They gave up the yardage in the middle of the field. But the important thing was they held that Washington offense to those field goals. And that's exactly the type of defense you need in the modern day NFL. A bend, but don't break defense. So when people start taking the Tampa Bay defense, the Washington defense early in the draft, you know, those people that will start taking defenses in round 10, round nine even, let them take them. And if you can take the New England defense in round 14 or rounds 15, go for it. As long as Bill Belichick is the head coach of the New England Patriots, you can always expect a good, solid return from them. Last year, considering how bad that team was offensively, they still finished as a top 11 defense, right behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, with everyone that they brought in through free agency, you can expect that offense to be a lot better than last year, which will in turn make this defense even better. So I'm interested to see how this defense will play against these Eagles. I'm also interested to see a lot from the Eagles. Quarterback Jalen Hurts, somebody that we also didn't see that much from last week. But I can tell you as a fan, and from everything coming out of that camp, there is nothing but over-the-top positivity about Jalen Hurts. And like we discussed on the Eagles pod, Jalen Hurts has fantasy QB1 upside because of that dual threat ability. So like I just said about the Patriots defense... Let's see what Jalen Hurts has in a longer role against the starters of this defense. Let's see what he's got. Let's see that QB1 upside. Let's see what all the buzz has been about. Because I'm really excited about Jalen Hurts. And anybody that's listened to this pod knows that the only quarterback that I'm willing to take early within the first five rounds is Lamar Jackson. Because of his rushing floor of a thousand yards. Which is a huge advantage to have at your quarterback position. Especially if you play in leagues, like most people do, where a passing touchdown is only four points. So let's all watch this game. Let's see what Jalen Hurts has especially against that bend but don't break defense once they get into the red zone. He's probably going to have a couple real nice passes in between the 20s. But let's see what happens once they hit that 20-yard line. Let's see if they can punch it in and score that touchdown. Another person on the rise on the Eagles that we need to watch tonight, Quez Watkins. Everybody is going nuts for this guy. Why are people going nuts over him? Oh, because he had one catch for 79 yards and a touchdown. And it wasn't even anything really crazy he did. We all saw the play, right? It was basically a screenplay where he just outran the defense. And if anything, that smells a little boomer busty to me, doesn't it? We don't like boomer bust here. But let's see how they work him in against the starters. Remember, he got that big touchdown play with Joe Flacco, the backup quarterback, against a backup defense. So let's see if they work him in with the starters. Let's see what he does against the starting defense. Jalen Rager is another person picking up steam, but rightfully so, I might add. Been quiet, but lately dominating against Pat's cornerbacks apparently in camp. So maybe he's snapping out of his funk. This is why it is important to watch these games. Devontae Smith might debut tonight. That's exciting. It's important. Watch these games. Determine for yourself. Pick out what is garbage and what is valuable. All exciting things to keep an eye out, but again, try not to go over the top with it. Trust the research you've been doing up to this point. There is nothing more frustrating than when you've pinpointed your must-have guys, all the research you've done. Now preseason comes around and you start falling in love with other people. Now you're not going to draft the original guys you liked, and now you have to watch them blossom all year long on your opponent's team. Congratulations. I've been down that road before and it sucks. 
But enough about this preseason talk. When are we going to get to the juice of this episode? The ADPs. Let's break down these ADPs. As I consistently preached on this pod, use the ESPN, Yahoo, or CBS cheat sheets as a weapon, a tool against your opponents. As your opponents get late into their drafts and aren't sure who they're going to take, they'll start resorting to whomever the next best available is. This is your opportunity to strike. Know your guys. Go get your guys. And believe it or not, this all starts after round five. Everyone in your league knows the top of the draft. Everyone. You're not going to pull the wool over anybody in the first five rounds. Round six is when you'll start seeing your league draft guys like Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert. Round six is when the draft really begins and where you start to win your league. It's the difference between who's just playing fantasy football for fun and who really knows what they're doing. And in round six is where we're going to start to weaponize these cheat sheets that I'm about to break down for you lovely people. While they're drafting the Kenyon Drakes of the world, we're starting to get our guys that we've done all of this extensive research on. We'll be quote unquote reaching while most of your league is drafting floor players. Now don't go too crazy. When I say reach, I'm not talking about grabbing Elijah Moore in the sixth round. Use the cheat sheet to gauge when your guys will start to come off the board. It's a shot clock and whoever is next, go get him. It doesn't matter how far down he is on your sheet. If he's 15 spots down, it doesn't matter. Go get him because otherwise you're going to end up settling on somebody that you're not too hot on because the guy you really want that's 15 spots down might not be there when it comes back to you. He might not be there. Let's just say for an example, James Conner is available as the next best available. And you say in your head, well, he's the starting running back for the Cardinals. That seems pretty silly to pass up, but I really want Brandon Cooks and I can get him in the next round really want Brandon Cooks. He's one of my sleepers. Ah, and you battle in your head and the clock's going down, the pressure mounts and you're panicking. So you take James Conner because he's a starting running back. And even though you might even have three good quality running backs already, but you think it's a good investment. And by the time it comes all the way back to you, ah, Brandon Cooks sniped. Now, how pissed are you? How pissed are you because you did your research and you have Brandon Cooks as one of your biggest sleepers somebody that can potentially really pay off for you in the long run, but you are left with James Conner. Twiddle on your thumbs. Now you're discouraged, not feeling too good about your draft. Be smart and trust your gut. Go get your guys after round five. Go get them. So enough about the lecturing. Today, I wanted to start by breaking down the ESPN top 280p cheat sheet because i find this one the easiest to print out especially if you're doing a live draft which by the way is the only way to draft guys i know a lot of us are busy and do it online but if you have the opportunity to do it live i highly recommend it it's one of my favorite nights of the year and most people in my league show up with that espn list or that fantasy pros list and honestly yes they're a little different but not that much they might have some guys six spots higher but it's not that crazy and people that have already listened to the show know that I am a standard or half point PPR guy. I think the full PPR model is outdated and it's for people that are just addicted to points. They like to open up the laptop or check their phones and see the big scores, right? The 280 to 247 
It's just silly. It made sense 10 years ago, but all the rules have changed. These receivers can basically go downfield untouched. This is why we see the higher scoring games that we see now. When we watch Monday Night Football, we see a 55-53 to 53 game. We see the Kansas City Chiefs light it up. We see the Los Angeles Rams light it up. We see the over-under totals in Vegas increase by a lot. So there's no need to reward these wide receivers per catch, or a shitty running back for that matter. If James White gets six catches in the backfield for the Patriots, but ends his day with seven yards, why are we rewarding teams with 6.7 points for an absolute shit game. It makes guys like him relevant and important, and he's not. And I know a lot of you will say, well, Austin Eckler, yeah, Austin Eckler is going to be an important fantasy asset regardless of its PPR or not. Of course, it will boost his value, but again, a scat back that can catch is now more important than a true workhorse running back like a Zeke Elliott or a Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry. I mean, come on. And again, I'm talking about full point PPR. I'm okay with half point PPR. Half point is fine. If you look at the difference in points at the end of the year, it's not that different. I think Kamara ended up being the best running back in half point PPR instead of the second best running back in standard. So it's really not that drastic. So I'll be breaking down ESPN's top 300 list standard half point PPR. And today we'll go through the first two rounds. So the top 24 in a 12 man league. And tomorrow, we'll break down rounds three through eight. Remember, that's where the draft gets real juicy, especially in rounds six, seven, and eight. We'll go all the way down those draft sheets, and I'll be telling you who to snipe right out of those ADP rankings. Bang! So after, I don't know, 25 minutes of rambling about all of this pre-notion stuff, let's get to the rankings. But it was important to understand, to use these ADP cheat sheets as a weapon. Don't follow it like a Bible. And if you're listening to this podcast, you should know better than to just do next best available. And obviously, different draft strategies work for different people. But my draft strategy, the one that I found to be the most successful, is the robust running back draft strategy, meaning that we draft the workhorse guys early and often, as many as we can get. And for this year, almost anybody should be able to grab at least two of these guys that I'm talking about because the people in your league aren't going to do this. There's going to be people in your league that take two wide receivers off the bat. There's going to be somebody in your league that takes Travis Kelsey in the first round. There's going to always be those people. So if you follow this strategy, you should be able to come away with two solid workhorse running backs that should pay off Hugely. The more of these backs that you can get, the more sound your team will be in the long run. These backs are rare. We can find another Justin Jefferson for this year later in the draft because the wide receiver position runs deep. So although tempting, try not to get sucked into drafting one of these premier receivers early. Hold off until round three if you can. Now, obviously, things can change really quickly. If your league drafts heavy running backs, All through the first and second rounds, you have to adjust. Don't go drafting Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs to be your RB2 if DeAndre Hopkins is still on the board because I'm telling you to draft two running backs in the first two rounds. Remember, you want the high volume guys. And if they're not there, don't force it. Be smart and adjust. So number one on ESPN's cheat sheet, Christian McCaffrey. And I can't argue against it. 
I have Christian McCaffrey in my top three of my top 10 running backs for the season. I think I had Saquon Barkley at one, Zeke Elliott at two, and Christian McCaffrey at three. And the only reason Christian McCaffrey was at three was because of his size. And it's very important if you're picking this early to factor in all of that information. For someone his size that gets the amount of workload that he gets, his body just can't handle it. But oddly enough, because of the volume that he gets, it's hard to pass on. And you can't. So if you want to take Christian McCaffrey at one, go for it. And I got to be honest with you, even though I have Saquon Barkley as my number one running back, if I have the first pick, I'm probably going to take Christian McCaffrey because when he is on the field and when he is healthy, it's hard to deny the production he gives your team. You can't pass on Christian McCaffrey. So I can't disagree with this at all. But when I look at a running back like Saquon or a running back, especially like Zeke, it's just that physical physique from those two that I that I like more. And I know Saquon has been hurt these last two seasons, but if you look at the two injuries that he sustained, I have pinpointed it more as unluckiness. A high ankle sprain is one of the most unlucky injuries you can get. When your foot or your cleat gets stuck in the grass and you get tackled and your leg twists awkwardly. That's how the high ankle sprain happens. Now, I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, that's how it happens. And the torn ACL is like a rite of passage in the NFL. Who hasn't had a torn ACL at this point? At some point, these skill players are getting a torn ACL. And Barkley, before all, before any of this started, has never really been hurt. He wasn't hurt when he was in Penn State. And he just has that big body that you want. He's agile. For the, for the size that he is and the way that he moves, he is a freak. A freak on the field. But yes, Christian McCaffrey at one, I can't argue, go for Christian McCaffrey. Number two, three, and four, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry at three, and Travis Kelsey at four. And I have a problem with two of these. Dalvin Cook, like we just discussed about Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook has been injured on a more frequent basis than Saquon Barkley. And he's coming off a relatively healthy and pinnacle year in yardage and touchdowns. I'm taking probably Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Derrick Henry, and Christian McCaffrey all before I take Dalvin Cook. I think I would have him as my sixth overall, drop him down to six because that durability is a real, real concern. And coming off that healthy year, I think he only missed one game, two games, one or two. Doesn't matter. It was a relatively healthy year. I just got the feeling that he's due to go down with something that might be a little longer. So at two, I think that's too high, especially with all these other guys on the board. Probably looking at Dalvin Cook around six. Derek Henry at three, I love, 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 love. I would consider even taking Henry at two if you wanted to. Like I said, my top four running backs here are probably going to be Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Zeke Elliott, and Saquon Barkley. So Derek Henry at three is perfect. You can get him at two, three, or four. But Travis Kelsey at four, I mean, this is just outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Drafting a tight end this early is just the silliest thing, especially at four. There is too much talent on this board to be taking a tight end. Now, this sounds crazy what I'm about to say, but I don't think I would draft Travis Kelsey until the third round. I know. It's crazy. I know. You could pro- you should probably shut this podcast off right now, right? But again, he's coming off a pinnacle year, career high in yardage and touchdowns at the age of 32, 
So there's definitely going to be natural regression. He's not getting any younger. And like we've talked about on previous pods, what happens if Travis Kelsey goes down? Because I have to assume if you're going to take Travis Kelsey this early in the draft, you're not going to invest another high draft capital with George Kittle or Darren Waller. So if Travis Kelsey sustains an injury, you're filling him in with the barren wasteland of the tight end position. You're looking at filling him in with an Evan Ingram or a Cole Komet from the Bears. Do you see what I'm saying? You can say, well, anybody can get injured. You know, running backs get injured all the time. But the difference is if I drafted a Saquon Barkley at four and he gets injured, my second round pick or my third round pick is most likely another high-end running back. You can slide them up. Everybody goes up the ladder, fills it in. Yeah, he might not have the same production as a Saquon Barkley, but the difference in the production between your Travis Kelsey and your Cole Komet is drastic. Travis Kelsey is not going to finish the season as the tight end one this year. He's not. And if you take him in round one, now you're behind. You're behind in the draft, especially at four. You're behind because if you take him at four, now you've missed out on a ton of RB1 potential. And by the time it gets back to you, you're looking at an RB2. Well, I can draft a wide receiver one, right? Sure, go ahead. Draft a wide receiver one. You're still behind on everything else. You're playing catch up this entire draft and you're hoping to find the next James Robinson, which is a lot harder to find than the next Justin Jefferson. So my best advice is simple. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I'm telling you, you're going to regret it. I tried it once when Jimmy Graham was in his heyday with the New Orleans Saints. And I said, I'll just never, ever do that again. And here I am on this podcast preaching how much that it didn't work. Five, six, seven, Saquon Barkley at five, Alvin Kamara at six, and Zeke Elliott at seven. I hope to God that everybody brings an ESPN cheat sheet to my draft. I don't know where I'm drafting this year. Nobody does yet. We find out on draft night. But if I can get Saquon Barkley at five or Ezekiel Elliott at seven, I will be ecstatic. Alvin Kamara at six. I don't have a problem with it all. He's obviously a very, very talented running back. It's just with the new system in place, whether it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, we've seen Alvin Kamara in that handful of games with Taysom Hill under center, and he wasn't good. I think back when I was talking about Alvin Kamara, he finished as the RB19 on average during those games, and that's not what we're looking for in this first round here, right? We want the consistency, the surefire lock. And we know Kamara's talented. We just don't know how involved he's going to be until the quarterback is declared. Because if it's Taysom Hill that likes to run a lot, that's going to affect Kamara drastically. And we really don't know what Jameis Winston. And my God, Zeke at seven, please, gimme, gimme, gimme. When healthy or not suspended, Zeke is averaging 1,400 rushing yards. And I feel like he's been in the league forever. But guess what? He's only 26 years old. So Zeke at seven is an absolute steal. At number eight, we have Jonathan Taylor. And then we start to see the run of the wide receivers start to hit the first round. We have nine, Devontae Adams, 10, Tyreek Hill, 11, Nick Chubb, and 12, Stefan Diggs. So we have what? One, two, three wide receivers out of these last five picks. At eight with Jonathan Taylor, I don't hate it. I might bump him back maybe three slots, keep him in the first round, but at 11 or 12, so that when we come around that hook, we can get another running back that's not in this first round, according to the ESPN ADPs here. But I got to be honest with you, as I look into the second round tier rankings here at 13, 14, and 15, my God, I love all three of these running backs. 
Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris. You guys know how much I love Najee Harris. All three of those running backs, in my opinion, should all be vaulted up into that first round. All of them. Aaron Jones is somebody I've been sleeping on for years. I finally had a coming to light, so to say, on Aaron Jones. He does it all. And Jamal Williams is gone. Jamal Williams is in Detroit now. So it's just more work for Aaron Jones. He can get the goal line carries. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's tough to bring down. He has it all. I would honestly bump this guy up. I'm not even kidding here, guys. I would bump him up to to about number six or seven overall. Because remember, I'm putting Saquon and Zeke higher. We're sinking Travis Kelsey down. So we have Saquon, Zeke, and Henry and Christian McCaffrey in that top four. And then after that is when things start to get a little, you know, more mixed in there. And I've got to be honest, I'm sending up Aaron Jones right up into that tier. Right up into that tier. Same thing with Antonio Gibson. We saw what Gibson did for that Washington football team last year in those 10 games he started. And don't forget, Ron Rivera used to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers with Christian McCaffrey. He is envisioning a role, a Christian McCaffrey role for Antonio Gibson. So with his ADP being number 14, it's extreme value. And I'm starting to think that the best place for you to draft in this year's draft is either the mid six to eight or even the back end 10 to 12 if you can grab on that hook an Aaron Jones and a Najee Harris or an Aaron Jones and an Antonio Gibson or a Antonio Gibson and a Najee Harris <laughs> I mean it doesn't get much better than that it doesn't Najee Harris should be higher I'm putting him in my top eight nine I had him at six as my, uh, in my top 10 running backs back in July, but people don't like what they've been seeing so far from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He hasn't been, you know, producing that well, but Najee Harris is a type of running back that the more volume you give him and he'll get his carries, he'll get 20 to 25 carries or touches per game. He's the type of back that just needs to keep going, going and going, and will eventually break that big one score. He's that talented. So yeah, in preseason, you see him get his five carries for 14 yards or whatever it is. But he's just getting like five carries is what I'm saying. When he gets his 22 carries, he's going to produce big time. So Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, all first round picks in the ESPN ADP rankings here as the 13th, 14th, and 15th pick. Just mayhem. Absolute mayhem. But let's go back into this first round at the bottom here because I skipped over the wide receivers. So at eight, we had Jonathan Taylor, who I'm putting below all three of those running backs we just talked about. And I'm actually taking Nick Chubb, who's at 11 here, and putting him above Jonathan Taylor as well. No doubt Nick Chubb is going to get vultured from Kareem Hunt. There is no doubt that Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in the NFL. He has consistently, when healthy, produced an average of almost 100 yards per game. And that level of consistency still makes him a first rounder. That's what we want. We want the consistency. So all of those running backs I just mentioned, every single one of them, I'm all taking one of them or two of them if I can before I take the first wide receiver at number nine, Devontae Adams. Or the second wide receiver that they have listed at 10, Tyreek Hill, who I think's better. So I would be taking Tyreek Hill, over Devontae Adams but again this is all getting suppressed down into that second round and you might be saying look Tyreek Hill is probably going to produce more points than maybe a Jonathan Taylor on Sunday and that might be true but that's how these ADP rankings are formed 
by points on a consistent basis. But the problem is if you go with these wide receivers first, you're not going to get the points from the running back position. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, Tyreek Hill might get you 17, 18, 19 points per week. Jonathan Taylor might get you 12, might get you 20, might get you seven, but you need those running backs to succeed in fantasy football. So I don't really have a problem with these rankings when it comes to Devontae Adams, when it comes to Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs, who they have at 12, I don't have a problem with them. When we're talking about the points, this is where they should probably be. But it's just important to get those running backs. Because when we look at the next tier of these running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Austin Eckler are probably the only other two, or David Montgomery actually too. But after those three, it's not looking good. Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, maybe. But you, these are not running backs you want to slot in as your RB1 because you took Tyree Kill at 12 and then on the turn took Devontae Adams. Because that's who's going to be available to you when it comes back. Probably worse, to be honest with you. DeAndre Swift will go before it gets back to you in round three. But anyway, at 16 now in the second round, we have Austin Eckler, someone that a lot of people, a lot of people in the fantasy community love. But like Christian McCaffrey, he's a smaller guy that gets a huge workload who hasn't consistently stayed on the field. We saw a flash two years ago what he did, and it was great, but he couldn't stay healthy last year. So now we don't know. So it's risky, but I understand the volume he gets. And therefore at number 16, I'm perfectly fine with. If all these running backs, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, and Najee Harris are gone, and I now have the option of adding an Austin Eckler as my RB2, well, I would probably take the guy at 19 on this list, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire before Austin Eckler. But if that's one of my only options, I'm okay with taking Austin Eckler as my RB2, not my RB1. And let me tell you, I've been in a lot of mock drafts where people have taken Austin Eckler at the eighth position, ninth position up in that first round. And that to me is very scary. Number 17, Calvin Ridley, 18, Joe Mixon, and 19, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I just talked about. I do like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a lot. I would prefer him to be my RB2, probably putting him under the Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb tier once we've gone through all those running backs. Andy Reid has just never missed on a running back. He hasn't throughout his whole career. Deuce Staley, Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy. I think he adapted Jamal Charles. That wasn't his guy, but still, you know, ran really well in that system. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt was an absolute stud before he, you know, messed up off the field, but you know, he doesn't miss. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a first round pick just a year ago. And not all of his running backs have succeeded right off the bat. LaShawn McCoy's rookie season did not look good. He didn't look good at all. That second season is when he kicked it into that next gear and became an elite running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm expecting real big things from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So at 19, huge steal. Huge, huge steal. Calvin Ridley at 17. You know, he's the guy in Atlanta. Don't have a problem with that at all. Calvin Ridley is going to absorb a lot of those targets. No more Julio Jones. Did draft Kyle Pitts, the tight end, who's supposed to be, you know, the next big thing at tight end. But we've heard that before from, T, you know, a TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. And a lot of times it takes tight ends a couple years to get onto the scene. So the odds are high that Calvin Ridley... You know, and we've seen him produce without Julio. Julio missed a large chunk of time last season. Calvin Ridley's going to get those targets at 17. Pretty good value. Pretty, pretty damn good value. 18 Joe Mixon. Oh boy, I am out. I know he is what I preach. He's the guy. He gets the volume. He gets, you know, all the touches in that backfield. 
but you have to be smart here, guys. How many years has it been now where Joe Mixon has been the guy? He wasn't splitting that often with Gio Bernard. Joe Mixon was the guy. He's been the guy for a couple years. We've been down this path every single year. Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon. And every single year, you're disappointed. Stop drafting Joe Mixon. If you can get him as a flex player, go for it. Knock yourself out. But as your RB2 at number 18, it is way too high. Stay away from this guy. That offensive line is still brutal. The Bengals are not going to be good. It's the team everybody wants to get excited about. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. The defense is terrible. That offensive line is terrible. They are going to be a bottom five team. There is no doubt about it. And with bottom five teams, they're usually playing from behind, which means they're not going to run the balls often. I know he can catch the ball, but it doesn't matter. We've seen it before. It's insanity. Stop drafting Joe Mixon. Number 20, DK Metcalf. Number 21, DeAndre Hopkins. What? 21? First of all, I have to stop right here. Number 21, DeAndre Hopkins. They have him above or below Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs. Okay. Calvin. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. I am not as good of a year as Stefan Diggs had. I am not drafting Stefan Diggs before DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not. Do- I'm just not doing it. That is insane. It's absolutely crazy. DeAndre Hopkins has consistently produced year in and year out. Consistency, consistency, consistency is the key to fantasy. I like Stefan Diggs. I've come around to the idea of drafting him high. But again, during his years in Minnesota, he's been a career 1,000 yard receiver close to double digit touchdown range. So because he had one good year with the Buffalo Bills going for over 1500 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Now we're going to vault him all the way up to a first round pick over somebody like DeAndre Hopkins. No, no, that's not happening. I'm sorry. So at 21, DeAndre Hopkins, if he's there, and if again, if you're drafting, you, I guess this would be if you were drafting from the fourth position and you're not taking Travis Kelsey, you're getting that RB1. And most likely by the time it gets back to you, all those running backs that I loved are probably going to be gone, including Austin Eckler, including Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, probably gone. So if those guys are gone, with the exception of David Montgomery, who uh, I I do love David Montgomery, and he's down here at number 23, are you really going to take David Montgomery over DeAndre Hopkins? Montgomery might still be there for you. If you're picking at that fourth position and you take DeAndre Hopkins and have to survive, what is it, six picks before it gets back to you around on that hook? I think the odds are higher that David Montgomery will be there than DeAndre Hopkins. So if you're picking on these ends... And what I mean is like picks one through four on this end and then picks nine through 12 on the other end. Pay attention to who might be around by the time it gets back to you. Is there a bunch of receivers that like, oh, I don't really care if I get an AJ Brown or DeAndre Hopkins or Justin Jefferson compared to how many of those quality running backs are left? Because in this case, after David Montgomery, the running backs get real, real slim, real slim. So it's really preference. What, you know, what's up to you? It depends if you care. If you care that much that you're getting DeAndre Hopkins or an AJ Brown or possibly a Justin Jefferson in round three, then it might be worth the gamble to wait. So DK Metcalf at 20, again, another receiver that they have higher than DeAndre Hopkins, because remember, DeAndre Hopkins was at 21. DK Metcalf at 20 is just insane to me. I had DK Metcalf last year. He was great for most of the season, but down the stretch when you needed him most, his last six games with the Seahawks, he was nowhere to be found. And that's concerning to me going into this next year. Did they figure something out about him? Did they figure out how to cover him better? Did they realize he can't move side to side 
like we originally thought, and they figured out how to defend it. To me, that's scary, so I have to pass on DK Metcalf. And just the fact that he's above DeAndre Hopkins is ludicrous. Number 22, Miles Sanders. If you listen to the Eagles pod, you know I'm way out on Miles Sanders. With that Eagles backfield, they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, who's going to siphon those receptions away from Sanders. They still have Jordan Howard in that backfield, who's probably going to be the goal line back. So if Sanders is getting siphoned receptions and he's not getting the goal line back, as a second round pick, you're asking me to take him as my RB2 and make up that difference in points as a pure running back. That's a lot to ask. And that means you're going to need him to rip off big plays in order to score. And I'm not willing to do that as an RB2. I'm not willing to do that as a flex. I'm willing to do it as an RB4. I know it sounds crazy, but... This is the reality, guys. You have to understand the situation and the new coaching schemes and what is really going on. It's not just copy and paste of what happened last year. So Sanders at number 22, completely overvalued, like my man Travis Kelsey at four. Throw him down there. Throw him way, way down there. Number 24, A.J. Brown to close out round two. I love A.J. Brown. I don't care if Julio Jones is there. The man is a beast. He's a bruiser. He plays with tenacity and ferociousness. He's still going to get a lot of targets. He's still going to produce at a wide receiver one type level. I think 24 is way too low. If I can get him that low, I am all over it. All over it. I'm drafting him above guys like Calvin Ridley, Joe Mixon, DK Metcalf, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. I have higher expectations for AJ Brown than most people, but you know, that's how it goes. So, well, that's our show for today. Hope everyone learned a little bit of something here with the drafts, how to treat the ADP cheat sheets, how to use it as a weapon against your team. I know we only went through the first two rounds and yes, like I said earlier, everybody knows the beginning of the draft. We're not fooling anybody, but again, you could see how easily some players are way too high or way too low. Tomorrow's show is going to be awesome. We're going to go through rounds three all the way up to eight, where it's going to get real juicy, especially that sixth round all the way through that eighth round. Again, that's when we're going to go way down the ADP rankings. We're going to start sniping those players out who we want to take because that's what we're doing. We're going and getting our guys. We're not slaves to these sheets don't draft the floor guys and we'll talk more about that tomorrow but until then get your mocks on